Hey, hey, good morning, church. Hey, my name is Glenn Griner. Privileged to be on staff here at Union Chapel. So glad you decided to join us today, this Memorial Day weekend. We're going to break open God's Word together. I'm also thrilled that it's not only are we remembering those who have died so that we can be free, because we know freedom isn't free, but we also remember that this is Pentecost Sunday, the Sunday when God poured out the Holy Spirit on His church. And I'm thrilled about that. And spoiler alert, the title for the sermon is Pentecost, Receive the Holy Spirit. That's the name of the sermon. So I'm not messing around. So would you just bow your heads with me as we pray real quick? Jesus, we come before you and we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to come. We bind the lies of the enemy in Jesus' name that have kept us from you. And we ask for an outpouring of your love into our hearts. So Lord, use these words that we read from Scripture today. Use your power and your grace to draw us to you. Let every single one of us experience you to a greater degree. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. The scripture for today is from Acts 2, verse 1. We're going to put it on the screen. You can thumb your way there if you've got your online Bible. And of course, they'll be on the screen as well. Here at Union Chapel, we stand in honor of reading God's word. So if you're able, please join me on your feet. The word of God. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one accord. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound... A crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? In parentheses, rednecks? (laughs) It's true. Then how is it that each of them hears them in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt... And the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? And then some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Thank you. You may be seated. So Pentecost is a special day. It's a unique day that we celebrate as a church when God sends his Holy Spirit to us. I want to give you a little bit of history, a little bit of context behind Pentecost. You see, Pentecost, if you grew up in the church, you realize that we're celebrating when the Holy Spirit came. But before that happened, it was actually a feast that God had ordained to the children of Israel. And it's there are seven feasts, but there's three major feasts that they're all grouped together in. And the first feast is the Feast of Passover. And you might remember this, the Feast of Passover, that is when Jesus was crucified. Because just like the angel of death passed over every household where the blood of the lamb was smeared over the doorframe, <laughs> the judgment of death goes over each of us when we receive and give our lives to Jesus. There's some really amazing parallels in Passover. You see, the Passover lamb was killed at 9 a.m., And Jesus, we learn from the Gospels that his hands 
and his feet were nailed to the cross at 9 a.m. And that Passover lamb, it was placed in the oven at 3 p.m. And you read in the Gospels, Jesus was placed in a tomb at 3 p.m. As the father of a household celebrating Passover, he would wrap up the Passover loaf of bread and hide it. And then in the morning, he would take the the loaf, he would unwrap it and give it as a wave offering to God of the first fruits of the harvest. And don't you know that God, he rolled that tomb, he rolled that stone away and he brought Jesus out as the a wave offering of the first fruits of resurrection that you and I get to see. That is a good day. That's a good day. Now, the third feast, I've got to go really fast because I'm just going to go bonkers. Because it's the Feast of Tabernacles. That's when God came and tabernacled and lived and led the people of Israel like pillar of cloud during the day, pillar of fire by night. And that hasn't been fulfilled yet. Because that's going to be fulfilled when Jesus comes back. Because the feast of that particular feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, is also called the Feast of Trumpets. And if you remember right, there's going to be a great trumpet sound that's going to happen one day. The angel, the archangel Gabriel, he's going to blow that trumpet and heaven is going to split open. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he's going to come down. And we are going to meet the Lord in the sky and everything will be made right. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be spectacular. Okay, moving on. Back to Pentecost, Glenn. Back to Pentecost. When we think about the Feast of Pentecost, it was one of the most popular feasts. The weather was the best. It's the first harvest. And so Jerusalem was filled with people. It's one of the, these pilgrimage feasts. And so they would come and, and from all over. We, I, I had to really focus hard to read all those names. And I tried to read them fast enough so you couldn't tell if I mispronounced any of them. I mean, everybody, everybody heard their own language being spoken there. I want you to think about this. It's the coming of the Holy Spirit, but don't confuse the activity of the Holy Spirit in the Bible with the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. You see, the Holy Spirit actually brooded over the waters in creation and day and night were created. Sea and dry land were made. The Holy Spirit, the wind of God, breathed into Adam and Eve and gave them life. The Holy Spirit came upon Abraham and he he came upon the leaders and judges like Samson and gave them strength. The Holy Spirit came upon King David and he slaughtered Goliath and led Israel to peace. The Holy Spirit came and answered the prayer of Elijah on Mount Carmel and a fire from heaven came and consumed that offering. And the Holy Spirit's reference in the gospels as well. The Holy Spirit came on Mary, and she conceived the Son of God. The Holy Spirit came on Zechariah, and he prophesied about his son, and he also prophesied about Jesus. And then John the Baptist said this. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Friends, John the Baptist, he prophesied about this day. He prophesied about Pentecost when God would send the Holy Spirit, when he would send the fire of God. To kind of clear things up, I want to read the words of Jesus from John 7. This is in verse 37. We'll put them on the screen here. Jesus stood. And he said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, are you thirsty? 
Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive because up until that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. In John 20, we also hear that Jesus appeared to his disciples. This was before he ascended into heaven. And he is the first time he appeared to them. And so he's like shocked them when he showed up in the room. And part of that, he, he ate some food with them and he prayed with them. And he also breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Even that, even that is different than this. That is different than the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon people up to this moment, he would come upon an, a man or a woman or an individual for a specific time, for a specific purpose. But now everything's changed. Everything's changed. The Holy Spirit is available to you and to me all the time, always with us. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. That is so good. That is so good. I want to, I want to put this on the screen here. It says that Pentecost marks a cataclysmic shift in the way that we relate to God. It does. I want to reflect back to Acts 1. Just listen to this. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he challenged the disciples and everyone with them. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, they didn't know when it was going to happen. They didn't know how it was going to happen, but they knew who was going to come, that the Holy Spirit was coming. Jesus promised it. And this is a defining moment in history. When we think about the ages and how history kind of divides up the Bible, there's there's the story of paradise and creation. And then there's the story of Israel, how God revealed himself to the world through his people, Israel. And then there's the story of Jesus, how God came to us as a man and lived a sinless, perfect life and became our sacrifice, how he rose from the dead. And then there's the, the church age. That's this. The church age is kicked off. This epic, this time in history is what we are in right now. And it's when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And the last, the last time frame for us to look at is paradise. When everything is made as it should be. Now the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. And I want you to open up your minds a little bit. Open up your heart a little bit to receive more of Jesus, but also to grasp the passion that he has for you. How badly God wants to pour his spirit into you. See, there's this little detail in the gospels that helps us understand this longing in God's heart. And it all has to do with what happened right after Jesus died. In Matthew, he tells us that the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then he says this, he says that the earth shook, that rocks split, that tombs broke open, and that holy people who had died were raised to life and walked all around Jerusalem. Man, Luke said that the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and darkness came over the land until three in the afternoon because the sun stopped shining. And the only detail that Mark included was the most important detail, was that the curtain was torn in two. 
And this wasn't just any curtain. This was the curtain because this curtain, it separated the holy of holies from the most holy place. In fact, no one ever went in here because this was inside God's temple. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. This is where the glory of God resided. In fact, they call it the Shekinah glory of God was here. And only on the Day of Atonement, only once a year, just the high priest, he would go in and offer a sacrifice for himself and for all of God's people, one time a year. Because, you see, when we have sin in us, we can't be in the presence of a holy God. His pure holiness, his glory and wonder would strike us dead. And so he holds back every time the high priest comes in for that sacrifice. And how important is it? That the first thing that happens when Jesus breathed his last, when Jesus said it is finished, is he tore that curtain open. <laughs> he tore that curtain open from top to bottom because no longer, no longer do you need a high priest because you've got a new high priest and his name is Jesus. Not only do you not have to go to a temple, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Friends, you and I, we are the holy of holies. That sounds kind of snotty, doesn't it? <laughs> But you are, because of Jesus, you are the dwelling place of the Most High God. Oh my goodness, that helps. That helps so much. And I wonder, I could be wrong on this, but I wonder if the same wind that blew through the temple that day, that tore that curtain in two from top to bottom is the same wind that fell on the disciples that day in the upper room. I wonder, I wonder. And that same wind blows into our lives, into our hearts, right here and right now. Mm. Okay, the next big thought is this. The Holy Spirit, he is available to each and to all. I love these two little words. They give me so much hope. They give me so much courage. I want to put Acts 2, 3, 2 verse 3 on the screen. It says, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then verse 4, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, I, I want to challenge you to think back to who is in the room. Who is in the room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come? And obviously the 12 disciples were there. But when you look back in Acts 1, pardon me, when you look back in Acts 1, you realize that there were 120 believers there. Before Jesus was taken up into heaven, he told them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift God promised. For in a few days, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. I wonder who was in the room. I wonder who was there. I love what Pastor Robert Morris wrote. He said the 120 individuals in that room represented a wide spectrum of society. Rich and influential people like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were probably there. In addition, the formerly blind beggars and lepers who Jesus had healed and former prostitutes that Jesus ministered to, they were surely there also. And others were simple merchants, farmers, or homemakers, friends. The Holy Spirit isn't reserved for leaders. He's not reserved for pastors. He's not reserved for people who have it all together. The Holy Spirit, he is for you. If you've given your life to Jesus, you can have the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit, and God longs to empower you. The prophet Joel, God spoke through him, and he prophesied about this day. I want to read that to you. Joel 2, 28. 
God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. And the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And the good news is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friends, this is that. This is the fulfillment of that prophecy. All people, it includes you. All people includes me. No one is left out in this passage of scripture. Sons and daughters, servants, slaves, free, miracles, wonders. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Despite all of that, despite me jumping around and talking about how available the Holy Spirit is to you, you still have this doubt in your mind, don't you? Oh, I'm not worthy. I can't pull this off. Well, of course you're not worthy, but Jesus is. He just happens to be supremely worthy. And you can't pull it off either because it's a gift from God. All you have to do is receive. Receive from him. Receive from him. Imagine with me what it must have been like to be in the crowd. Like there were thousands of people. There are thousands of people there in Jerusalem. And you hear this sound like a freight train. This mighty, powerful, rushing wind. And and this wind comes blowing out of this building. And then you see people pour out of there. And there's got fire on their heads. And they're... They're speaking your language. They're speaking your family language. And you begin to hear about the wonders of Jesus. And you're like, what in the world is this? And then Peter, he stands up and preaches this sermon. And you're listening to him. And he starts off so sweet and mild. Jesus, Peter, Peter said that God sent his Messiah. And you put him to death. You crucified the Savior, and God raised him from the dead. We've all seen it with our own eyes. And God has exalted Jesus and poured out the Holy Spirit. This is what you see, and this is what you hear. And now, I I want want you to realize that Jesus was crucified 50 days before this. There were people in that crowd who shook their fist and said, crucify him. There are people in that crowd who hurled insults as Jesus as he was carrying his cross down the road to Golgotha. And so naturally someone asked this question, what shall we do? What shall we do? We've crucified the Savior. I want to read Peter's reply to that question. It's in Acts 2.38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And what? Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children. And get this, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord, our God, will call. God is calling you right now. He's calling you right here. He's calling you to himself. Repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. Think about this. The people who receive the Holy Spirit we get all stuck on the guys with flames, with, with you know, their hair on fire, speaking in tongues, whatever it may be. There were 3,000 people who were added to the church that day. All of them received the Holy Spirit. Every single one of them. Even those who are far off. And right now, 
I'm talking to someone in this room. I'm talking to someone online. And you feel far from God. You feel so far away from him. Maybe you didn't come because right now you've got a, you've got a headache because of your hangover. Maybe you're just consumed with shame right now because you looked at pornography again and you said you weren't going to do that. Or maybe there's some other overwhelming thing in your life that you're struggling with and it's so hard and you feel like you are unqualified. God is calling you. If you're far off, come on in. You don't have to be far off because Jesus made a way for you because Jesus, he sent the Holy Spirit to you. So come on in. Come on in. The water's fine. Come on in. The fire feels good. Come on in and experience Jesus. God's calling you to himself. Now that we know that we can receive the Holy Spirit, let's talk about how to receive him. I want you to see this point on the screen. It says that the work of the Holy Spirit happens best when we are together. When we're together. Acts 2.1, it includes this little phrase that has big, big, big implications. I want to put it up on the screen. This is Acts 2 verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had finally come, they were all with one accord in one place. And I want you to know that I'm resisting the urge to do a dad joke right now about, you know, being in one accord and how the disciples are really clowns, you know, coming out of the accord. But, you know, anyway. Here's what that phrase means. It means that they were one heart, one mind, seeking God together. And they were there. They didn't know how long they would be, but they were there for 10 days. I want to put Acts 1.14 on the screen. This is from the Amplified Bible. It says they had one mind and one purpose, continually devoting themselves to prayer, waiting together. Friends, the fullness of Pentecost came when they were together, together in heart and mind and passion and faith, together in hope and desperation and love. Now, I know this happens, but it's not really recorded in Scripture, and I, I couldn't find it. Maybe it did happen, but... The Bible doesn't record anybody receiving the Holy Spirit by themselves. Now, I'm sure I know people who've received the Holy Spirit by themselves. I'm sure that's happened plenty of times. But it's just not the easiest way for that to happen. It happens best in the context of being together. That's when it happens the best. This whole concept of being one mind and one purpose together reminds me of Jesus' high priestly prayer. You can find this in John 17. Perhaps you might read it this week. It will encourage you. And Jesus, he's praying for his disciples. He's praying for them to love each other. He's praying for them to love God. But he also prays for you and for me. Listen to this. Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me because of their message that's Jesus' prayer for us. He says, Father, may they be one just as you are in me and I am in you so that the world may believe that you sent me. Why is this Jesus' focus in this prayer? Because when we're together, we're stronger. When we're united, we're most like Jesus. As we come to Jesus together, we experience him to a greater degree. So friends, it's no coincidence that over and over throughout the book of Acts, people receive the Holy Spirit with someone else around. In fact, the Bible calls it laying on of hands. And the laying on of hands, it's a powerful way of saying I'm with you. I'm in one accord with you. 
I'm united with you. We're seeking Jesus together. Literally sharing our faith with one another. And so the laying on of hands is a tangible, physical connection that reflects our shared passion for God. It's not about the hands, though. It's about being together. It's about being on the same page. So friends, if you're putting Jesus first, if you want him with your heart, if you, if you want to live for him, if you want more of him in your life, we're in one accord together. So today, whether you're sitting at home, you can receive the Holy Spirit. If you're here in the room, you can receive the Holy Spirit. If you're cutting your grass three weeks from now, you can receive the Holy Spirit. He is available to you and to me at any time and at all times. I'd like to put the words of Jesus on the screen here. This is from Luke eleven eleven. Jesus said these words. He said, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? That'd be pretty funny, wouldn't it? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So what do you have to do to receive the Holy Spirit? Uh, Not sin for a week and a half? Or do some really good deeds? Or get rid of that habit? Get your life together? Get your act together? No. To receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, you have to ask. You just have to ask. Friends, think of it this way. We receive the Holy Spirit the same way we receive salvation. You ask by faith. And so regardless of how you feel, regardless of what happens, if you ask, you will receive the Holy Spirit, just like you receive salvation. This is a special season in our world. You might remember back in February, there was this outpouring of God's presence that happened at Asbury in Wilmore, Kentucky. People came from all over the world to experience God's presence. And it's like the curtain between, between heaven and earth just got peeled back a little bit. And so we had several of our staff members who were there. And so there's this renewed emphasis on God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We spent a whole month talking about what this means to us as a church and how we apply the renewing power of God into our lives together. So it's a special season in our church too. And there's something special about Pentecost Sunday. Because here's what's happening. All over the world, in different languages, people are celebrating the work of the Holy Spirit. And as the church, we're coming together, we're in one accord, and we're asking for God's freedom and the power of His Spirit to be poured out. And God is answering our prayers. We're receiving Him and His goodness and His love. I think this might be helpful to you. I'm going to roll through a big list of things, reasons from scripture, why you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you might want to come back to this and maybe look at it. Uh, It's on the Union Chapel app in our notes section, of course, will be on our YouTube page where they put the description and all that kind of stuff. But I hope this speaks to you. Why should you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as your helper, your counselor, or your advocate in John 14, 26. 
He will teach you all things and remind you of everything that Jesus has said. The Holy Spirit will help you know what to say when the time is right. He will teach you what to say. He will fill you with joy, just like he did Jesus, Luke 10, 21. The Holy Spirit will empower you to share Jesus and serve others, Acts 1 and 2. He will help you speak God's word boldly. The Holy Spirit will encourage you when you're afraid. He will do miracles and heal people through you. He produces the fruit of the Spirit in your life, Galatians 5. The Holy Spirit will pour God's love into your heart, Romans 5, 5. The Holy Spirit helps you when you're weak. He helps you pray. The Holy Spirit prays for you, Romans 8, 26. He is your source of peace and joy. Romans 14, 17, the Holy Spirit gives joy in the midst of severe suffering. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter how you're suffering, the Holy Spirit, he is with you. He guards the sound teaching that you've received. He renews you, Titus 3, 5. The Holy Spirit gives you gifts to serve other people. The Holy Spirit softens your heart when it gets hard. Every time I read that statement, as I've been preparing... I have to stop and pause because I feel God softening my heart. And I believe with all of my heart that God is softening your heart too, that he's drawing you to himself so that you can experience him in his fullness and his love and his grace because your life, your, your Christian experience is incomplete without the Holy Spirit. And then finally, he will put God's laws in your heart and write them on your mind. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He helps you experience God's presence. Without God's presence, Christianity can be reduced to just a bunch of rules and regulations. And nothing could be further from the truth. The presence of God is your connection with him. The presence of God is your relationship to him. And the presence of God is so much bigger than your emotions and your feelings. I remember, I remember 28 years ago, The very first sermon I heard here at Union Chapel, Pastor Greg stood up and he said that just like the Holy Spirit brooded over the waters in creation, the Holy Spirit's brooding over your heart and over my heart. And I felt the Holy Spirit moving in me. And the presence of God hasn't left me since that day. There have been some hard times here as a church, but we've always experienced the presence of God together. Think about this. When you think about God's presence, why do you feel good when you tune in? Why do you feel good when you come here? It's because you're experiencing the presence of God. You're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Why does it lift your soul when you sing songs? Because you're glorifying God and you're welcoming his presence and his spirit into your life. And why in the world does listening to someone talk behind a pulpit transform the way you think about yourself and God and reality? Look, that has to be the Holy Spirit. Unbelievable. And how can it be that the times that you experience the greatest joy and satisfaction and contentment and peace are when you are totally consumed with God and not thinking about yourself at all? That's God's presence, friends. That's the Holy Spirit. So it's decision time. And I want you to know our enemy, the devil, he is dropping excuses into your mind right now. 
Maybe you're a little bit like the people who uh, first thought that these disciples were drunk. It's like, that's craziness. I don't want any of that. So the question is, do I have to speak in tongues to receive the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. Do I have to prophesy? No, you don't. If you do, wonderful. That's wonderful. But if you don't, it's okay. I will tell you what you do have to do. You do have to ask. If you don't ask, it won't happen. You've got to give the Holy Spirit permission to come in. Because here's what happens in these moments, like on Pentecost Sunday and other moments when we sense God moving. I wonder if God's going to fill me with the Holy Spirit. That is an invalid question. Jesus has answered that question already. If you want to ask a valid question, the valid question is, am I going to ask? Am I going to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I going to ask today to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I pray that you do, and I will give you a chance to do that with me here in a minute. I want to invite our, our worship team to come up. And there's a, myself and Robin will also be available at the sides here. You can come forward anytime. You can come forward anytime to receive God's presence, to receive the Holy Spirit. You can do it right where you're sitting. You can do it watching online. But sometimes you need a little bit of help. It makes it a lot easier with someone to lay hands on you, share their faith with you, and encourage you. So I want to challenge you to come forward, receive him. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. You love us so much. Help us love you more. Send us your grace. Send us your fire. Maybe you're tuning in online or in the room today and you've realized that you've never taken that first step. You've never repented of your sin. You've never given your life to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is dropping this thought into your mind. The time is now. It's time for you to do it. It's time for you to give your life to Jesus. It's time for you to get right with God. And if that's you, I want you to know that we're with you. Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. And this church is with you. In fact, we want to pray out loud. All of us in the room, online, at home, here in the room, we're all going to pray this prayer together to encourage you. Dear Jesus, thank you for taking my place. Thank you for paying for my sin. You took my judgment. I give my life to you right here, right now. Forgive me. Make me whole. Take all of me. Thank you, God. And Lord, as I just pray for all of us, Jesus, we all need a touch from you. We all need more of your presence, Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit. I need him like I've never needed him before. I need him now more than ever. Thank you, Jesus, that right now that you're softening hearts. Perhaps you're in the room. I'm not going to make you do anything, but if you're asking Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit, whether it's the first time or the thousandth time, I just want to challenge you to raise your hand if you're asking Jesus to receive the Holy Spirit. Good for you. I'm going to give you a few more minutes. I know there's more. Good for you. Good for you. I want to receive the Holy Spirit. Raise your hand. I want more of the Holy Spirit. Good for you. Good for you. It'll help you. Raise your hand. Good for you. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes, I see that. Yes, 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 yes. Praise God. And so, Jesus, 
we ask right now that you would fill us. Maybe you could say those words, fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Say that, come, Holy Spirit. We need you, Jesus. Our sin is choking out our ability to experience you. Where we've experienced shame, you want to pour love. Come, Holy Spirit. We give ourselves to you. Give us confidence where we've experienced anxiety. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Give us courage where we've experienced fear. Whether we have broken bodies or broken hearts, send your healing love through the power of your Holy Spirit to us. So Jesus, fill us. Fill us to overflowing. Fill us for you. Fill us for your kingdom so that we can be your witnesses. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So church, here's your response. This closing song is awesome. This closing song is so you need to worship Jesus. Declare your heart to him. But maybe you're still not sure. Maybe you want the confirmation of praying with someone else. Robin will be over on this side. I'll be right over here. Pastor Jeff's over here as well. Come, come, let's pray for you. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit into our church, into our lives, and into our families. And let the mighty rushing wind of God fill your life with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand to our feet and worship Jesus together.